Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your great love for us through Christ Jesus, that you have granted us eternal life through him. Father, I pray that our lives may reflect that in all that we do and think, all that we say. Thank you for our our moms who have taught us the things of God. We pray and thank you for those that are with us, those moms that are here. We thank you for women, for spiritual mothers, oh God. We thank you for the influence and impact that has been made on our lives by godly women. I pray now that you would lead us into your word, help us to respond to your instruction. Father, we pray for those who are going through difficult days. Pray for Keith and the passing of his sister, and we pray for their whole family, God. I pray for Hugh and Donna Swain at this time, Lord, just be near to Hugh as he's not well. Pray that you bless the Swain family and help them. Be near to Donna today. Now, God, I thank you for this time we have in your word. I pray that it would be powerful in our lives. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, my first gift to my mother today is to bring my water out in a mug. My, my mother is a woman of great detail, and you might not know this, but she watches our services and then goes to her own church, but she said to me a little while back, love your service, Rick, love your preaching, you know you're my favorite preacher. Don't love the water bottle on the table. On the, do not love the water bottle on the sacred desk. I'm like, Mom, all this preaching and that's the thing that stands out for you? Honestly. So, Mom, yes, but just this Sunday. I'm sure all the ladies uh, right now, if they've looked at the notes, are going like, if he preaches another song of Proverb 31 woman sermon, I'm going to lose it. Just one verse, ladies, please. Allow me one verse from Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. I'll tell you, when you leap into the book of Proverbs, you realize very quickly that there's no warm-up. There's no dancing around. It just launches in straight to the point, first priority things, an economical listing of the truths of God, no easing into relationship talk. I think that's why guys like Proverbs so well. Just, just give me the facts. Or the ladies, you know, maybe not so much. Uh, in terms of the, eh, we need maybe a little relational lead into this, but 
that, that, speaking of which, we, we are so different, men and women. I, I'm sure you know that. Um, I've taken an excerpt here from a, a book written by Dave Barry called The Complete Guide to Guys. It's a one-page book. Um, <laughs> not, really, but it, not really, but it should be. Um, and, and he gets into a little discussion, a humorous discussion, which I think really tells the difference. Let's say a guy named Roger asks a woman named Elaine out to a movie. She accepts, they have a pretty good time. A few nights later, he asks her out to dinner, and again, they enjoy themselves. They continue to see each other regularly, and soon, neither is seeing anybody else. Then one evening, when they're driving home, a thought occurs to Elaine. She says, do you realize that we've been seeing each other for exactly six months? Silence fills the car. To Elaine, it seems like a very loud silence. She thinks to herself, I wonder if it bothers him that I said that. Maybe he feels confined by our relationship. Maybe he thinks I'm trying to push him into some kind of obligation. And Roger is thinking, six months. <laughs> and Elaine is thinking, but hey, I'm not so sure I want this kind of relationship either. Are we heading towards marriage, towards children, towards a lifetime together? Am I ready for that level of commitment? Do I really even know this person? And Roger is thinking, so that means it was, let's see, February when we started going out, which was right after I had the car at the dealers, which means, let me check the odometer. Oh, whoa, I am way overdue for an oil change. And Elaine is thinking, he's upset. I can see it on his face. Maybe I'm reading this completely wrong. Maybe he wants more from our relationship, more intimacy, more commitment. Maybe he senses my reservations. Yes, that's it. He's afraid of being rejected. And Roger's thinking, I'm gonna have to look, I'm gonna have to uh, them look at the transmission again. I don't care what those morons say, it's still not shifting right. And they better not try to blame it on cold weather this time. It's 87 degrees out and this thing is shifting like a garbage truck. And I paid those incompetent thieving cretins $600. And Elaine is thinking, he's angry. And I don't blame him. I'd be angry too. I feel so guilty putting him through this, but I can't help the way I feel. I'm just not sure. And Roger's thinking, They'll probably say it's only a 90-day warranty. That's what they're going to say. And Elaine is thinking, maybe I'm too idealistic, waiting for a, a knight to come riding up on his white horse when I'm sitting next to a perfectly good person who's in pain because of my self-centered schoolgirl fantasy. And Roger's thinking, warranty? I'll give them warranty. <laughs> Roger, Elaine says out loud. What? Says Roger. I'm such a fool, Elaine says. Sobbing, I mean, I know there's no knight and there's no horse. There's no horse. <laughs> Roger says, you think I'm a fool, don't you? Elaine says, no, Roger says, glad to know the correct answer. <laughs> it's just that I need some time, Elaine says. There's a 15-second pause while Roger tries to come up with a safe response. 
Yes, he finally says. Elaine, deeply moved, touches his hand. Oh, Roger, do you really feel that way? What way, says Roger? <laughs> that way about time, Elaine says. Oh, says Roger, yes. Elaine gazes deeply into his eyes, causing him to become very nervous about what she might say next, especially if it involves a horse. <laughs> At last, she says, thank you, Roger. Thank you, he responds. <laughs> then he takes her home, and she lies on her bed, weeping until dawn, Whereas when Roger gets back to his place, he opens a bag of chips, turns on the TV, and immediately becomes deeply involved in a rerun of a tennis match between two Czech players he's never heard of. And a tiny voice in his mind tells him that something major was going on back there in the car, but he figures it's better not to think about it. Ladies, I'm going to give you one, moms, I'm going to give you one thing to think about today from God's word. In Proverbs chapter 1, it says this in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. There are many, many lofty ideals and recommended pursuits, moms, but there's only one thing that's essential. The key essential for excellence in motherhood is the fear of the Lord. I think we heard that on all of the testimonials today from the women who shared with us, moms who shared with us so well was on their hearts and how they are mothering, how they are parenting their children. And the fear of the Lord, listen, the fear of the Lord or a version of it appears multiple times in the scriptures. It's a common thread. The fear of the Lord shows up, that, that phrase is 25 to 27 times. The fear of God, 84 times. Fear of God, 86 times. Fear the Lord, 186 times. Fear God 134 times. Greater than 500 times, some form of fear the Lord is, is urged upon us. It's the front line. In fact, the word at the beginning here, resheth, means at the very front of the line of your life and thinking. Okay? The beginning of knowledge is, is the fear of the Lord. Shapes a mother's teaching. It grows from a biblical worldview that mom lives out before her children. I want to um, define that for you because it's critical. You know, what's the fear of the Lord? What is it? I think as, as good a description as any is the reverential submission to the Lord's will. But it, it's a combination of things. And some of them kind of oppose each other. It's shrinking back, woe is me, recognizing the awesomeness of God. It's drawing close to him. It's awe. It's reverence. It's the controlling principle applied living that is wise and not foolish. It's absolute dependence on God. It's true worship and true religion, as one writer states. It's not buddy, familiar, friendly, 
co-pilot, although it is the fruit of a deep and abiding relationship. I see there's a drift happening in, in, in the evangelical world, drifting to more God as friend than, God, than, than fear of God. Listen, God as friend shows up a handful of times in the Bible. And, and three of them are about Abraham. So you've got three others. But when you look at the sheer numbers, the greater numbers of fearing the Lord, of, a, of reverential fear, and I'm not suggesting that God is not our friend because he, this, he absolutely establishes that he is. But that, that's not the the biggest expression that we, uh, uh, we impart to our children, like he's some sort of friendly grandfather who's permissive and go ahead, have fun sinning for a while and God will forgive you because it's his job. You gotta be careful. The fear of the, God, fear of the Lord is critical. And why is it so critical? I wanna just give you really uh, quickly an insight from the scriptures of what does fear of the Lord prevent or produce? Again, we are living in a society that, that virtually worships and idolizes feelings and guiding our lives based on our feelings. We've jettisoned the whole idea of merit, that, that something that we do merits a, a response and produces something and prevents something. We're being inundated and, uh, by, by commercials that are only advertising the benefit of something based on feelings. They're, they're getting very good at it. And, and Christianity is starting to lean in that direction as well. But the Word of God talks about the merits of fearing the Lord. In, ver, in uh, Exodus 20, verse 20, when God is giving out the law, the, the Ten Commandments, and there's all kinds of meteorological events going on in the, in the mount where, where Moses is given the law. There's lightning and thunder and all kinds of things taking place. And, and the people are, are, are afraid. They're, they're in fear of God. And, and God does say, oh, that's okay, I'm, a, I'm your friend. No, it, he allows that. And it says in Exodus 20, 20 that they might be dissuaded from sinning. Moms, your respect and reverence and awe of God will help your children learn that the fear of the Lord prevents sin. To protect your children from the very enticement to sin. And his phrases drifting around, God loves you just the way you are. No, he doesn't. God loves you in spite of the way you are. That's why it's grace. And he intends to utilize all of the power in the universe to change the way you are. Fear of the Lord prevents sin. The fear of the Lord produces wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord, verse 7, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fear of the Lord produces wisdom and discipline. To enable your children to be capable of sizing up a situation, responding in a way that leads to a good end. What is right and just and fair, teaching them this through the fear of the Lord. 
that they might be able to think critically about the things around them and what's going on around them and not be naive and ignorant. The utter nonsense that people are swallowing hook, line, and sinker today is disturbing. It's as if people's mind have, minds have gone to mush. Moms, we don't want to raise children like that. We want to raise children who understand what is right and what is just and what is wise, what is fair, and be able to think critically about things. That comes from the fear of the Lord. It's at the beginning of wisdom and discipline. To respect wise counsel. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching, your mother's biblical worldview. I am so blessed to have a mom who has a biblical worldview. Mom was not shy to answer all those questions that you got, women were talking about today and to answer those questions and point us to God, point us to the dependence on God, my sister and I. Wise counsel from those who are ahead in life. There's a place of importance for experience. The fear of the Lord also teaches faith in God. Pitfalls that I continue to minister to all these years. To run to God and not away from Him. Those running from God find themselves engulfed in terror. They ambush their own lives. My son, if sinners entice you, verse 10, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and, and whole, like those who, who, who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw your lot in. And verse 19, such is the end of all who go, or sorry, verse 18, these men lie and wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. How important is the, this wisdom in our current landscape? And with this, I'll wind it up. The fear of the Lord counters the current cultural addictions to safety, who and what can give it, and satisfaction, who and what can provide it. These are age-old issues for humans safety and satisfaction, or security and significance, same thing. That's what drives us. That's how we're wired. There's even a gender specificity to that. Women tend to lean more towards security and safety, and men tend to live or lean more towards satisfaction and significance but we both share both to a degree. But moms, if you can remember this, you will establish for your children the most important way to live in these two key issues and attitudes of life. Life will try to lure your children to be convinced to look for who or what can guarantee them safety since God doesn't. And so people consistently 
insist that they must provide their own safety and security. At best, they will minimize risk in their lives, particularly in worship and service. The least little risk, the least little thing that seems too unsafe, the least little thing that seems too costly, they will jettison, particularly in worship and service. We ooh and ah over those people who smuggle Bibles into North Vietnam until the Lord taps our own kid on the shoulder and wants him or her to do it. The fear of the Lord will teach your children to seek God and not human solutions or guarantees. Otherwise, safety, not character, becomes the sole concern and goal of their lives. Now, some of you are saying, well, there are too many casualties in the lives of those who serve the Lord in unsafe situations. What about that? And prayer doesn't seem to change anything. It's not that prayer doesn't work. Prayer was never intended to overrule God's purposes. Prayer, rather, connects us to God's heart in his purposes. I like what Larry Crabb says in his book, Connecting, when he says this, we will be protected only from that which interferes with God's purposes. The fear of the Lord is all about the purposes of God. If you fear the Lord and you are in his purposes and you are teaching your children to be in his purposes, you have nothing to fear about safety and security. The second is this, satisfaction and significance. Life will lure your children to find joy outside of God and convince them that there are good things available to them that God doesn't provide. And at best, they will minimize discomfort, cost, and effort in worship and service. At worst, they will trade God in for other things to bring them joy and pleasure. The fear of the Lord in the area of satisfaction of our lives is to prioritize God's pleasure over all other temporary satisfaction. Otherwise, satisfaction, not transformation, becomes the sole concern of your children's lives. If you are continually seeking to find joy outside of God, you are conforming to the same pleasures chased by those who don't know God. And children will follow your direction. If you are chasing things for pleasure outside of God, 
and suggesting that, oh, they'll come back. They'll come back once their childhood toys and dreams have run their course. What exactly will they come back to that they never actually had? They will decide to make their own changes. They'll just change people, they'll change places. They're always trying to find satisfaction and they can't find it. By digging their own dependable cisterns, which God calls through Jeremiah broken cisterns that don't hold water in Jeremiah 2 verse 13. Young moms, young couples, I've had 35 years of family counseling experience and the rules never change. Never. Kids are trained on what to love and find joy in by their parents. Can I say that again? It's never changed in 35 years. Kids are trained on what to love and find joy in by their parents. If it's God, they will find their pleasure and joy in God. If it's all kinds of other recreational and other spectacular things, you will train them on what to find their pleasures and joy in. You decide whether or not they prefer to bring pleasure to the Lord by how you fear the Lord and how you raise them. I hope you didn't miss in this text where it says wanting to be his own authority and despising wisdom and discipline, the first thing the fool rejects is the fear of the Lord. Moms, you don't want to raise a fool. So fear the Lord yourself. Live out the fear of the Lord and your children will follow you. Here's what characterized the early church. The not so secret to their success and effectiveness. Acts 9 verse 31. It, the church, was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of of the Lord. Father, I thank you for your instruction to us. Thank you for your clear instruction to us. May we, may moms, mothers, spiritual mothers, young women on their way to be mothers, single moms, moms or women who are, who do not have children but are aunts and uh, friends and teachers of children. Oh God, we ask that their lives, those who know you, would be characterized as first priority. The essential woman is the woman who fears the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I can't even begin to imagine how overwhelming it must be to be a mother in these days. When everybody's got an idea for you, everybody thinks you should do this or do that, and everybody's plucking your little chicks and pulling them all over the place. The Word of God is calling you to just one essential thing in your life, the fear of the Lord. 
There's a reason for that. If your children fear the Lord, they will fear nothing else. Have a great day, everybody, and make sure you celebrate the great women that God has put in your life this day. God bless you.